We're already seeing that a number of universities are opening the doors for September for international. And we're actually starting to see a trickle now of payments starting to come through. There was in January for, for spring intake, but we're seeing what we're seeing now is a, quite an increase in what we're also going to talk about here today is APM payments. Welcome to Focus, a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education. I'm your host, Heather Richmond, and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. Today, I'm interviewing Tom Butler. He heads up the Education and Student Housing Department at Transformate. We discuss the trends and expectations we are seeing with international student enrollment, as well as their use of alternative payment methods. Thanks so much for being here today, Tom. Thanks, Heather, and I'm happy to be here as well. Awesome. Well, for those who are not familiar with Transformate, can you provide a little overview and how you help schools with international payments? Sure, Heather. Thank you for the opportunity as well, just to give you a quick insight into Transformate. So firstly, Transformate is a fintech money service bureau established in 2010 with offices in New York, Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, and Austin, Texas, and globally around the world in Canada, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, many others, and even Ireland, as you can hear from my accent. (laughs) Right. I've been well all over the world. I lived in Spain for seven or eight years. I lived in the UK for a while. I've been in the US, and, but I never lost my Irish accent. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, Transformate, what we do for institute, educational institutes, we offer a complete solution to educational institutions, managing incoming and outgoing payments, international, for international payments. With no fees or setup, we offer preferential exchange rates and lower admin costs. You and your then the institutes and our students can make significant savings on admin time and bank charges worldwide. But overall, what it means is that we pay, a student can pay domestically in the funds stay there, and we release it domestically in the United States. And then in the reverse, if an institute was making a payment or a refund or anything similar to that, they make a local domestic into our local domestic account, either Wells Fargo, a Midwestern account, or so on our city account what we have, then we just re- we leave the funds there. We just release it locally again in that students or the vendors uh, local country in their local currency. So it speeds up the payment and it, it reduces cost. That's in a nutshell what Transmate is and what we do. That's great. It's all about making it easier for sure. <laughs> now, I know that all industries were impacted uh, by the global pandemic, but higher education really had some specific challenges, especially around enrollment and retention of international students. So can you provide a little insight on this? Yeah, and unfortunately, it's like everything. I think the whole world, the whole globe has been impacted by pandemic. Some even positively, as you can see, Amazon, they did very well out of the pandemic. But higher education in the United States was very much impacted. Like in 2019, there was over 1 million plus international students that arrived into the United States. Now, that consisted of breaking a breakdown, just to give you an insight into it, of the demographics. Mm-hmm. China had 35% of that over 1 million, India 18%, and South Korea 5%. That's around 58% of all the international students just came from those three countries. Wow. Now, now saying that, even though, even though you look at China then, 30%, 37% of those, that 35% of Chinese pursued master degrees in, in U.S. institutes. 40% of the Chinese pursued bachelor degrees. And this is where the big money is made in international students and so on. Right. Now, 
in a recent Open Doors survey, the US was down in, in 2020 by 16% of international uh, students, but largely due to the new enrollments decreasing by 43%. That is a major drop. That was a loss of 15 billion US wow. dollars. And also, nearly 40,000 students, international students, hit the pause in the fall of 2020. But like, let's, all, let's not be so negative about this. Now, the experts are optimistic in Open Doors and many others that international numbers will surge in the US when the pandemic draws to a close. Right. The great thing about this is that the United States in higher education has such a breadth and depth of institutions is that we have the capacity to respond to this. Despite the, neg the, uh, the neg negative impact of COVID also, the actual Chinese students' demand, their overall Chinese demand for receiving education abroad has not been significantly affected in 2020. So they still went somewhere. So it just needs to bring them back to the US. Right. And that's what we, we looked at it all. And we had a look at what way we can then help uh, uh, the industry to improve all of this. So yes, as you can see, there was, has been a big major decrease but we were looking at now in, in 2021 we're already seeing that a number of universities are opening the doors for september for international and we're actually starting to see a trickle now of payments starting to come through there was in january for for spring intake but we're seeing what we're seeing now is a quite an increase and in what we're also going to talk about here today is apm payments okay yeah because like you said, you know, U.S.-based colleges and universities really depend on those international students. So, yeah, how do you see really getting the international student enrollment to get back up again? Yeah, and, and this is it. It's like everything. Um, years ago, so probably 100 years ago, everybody was paying things by either cash or by check, and then bank transfer came in, and then credit cards then eventually came in 50 years ago. And now we have to make it as easy as we can pay either by installments or by what we call now APMs. Now, right. a lot of people hear this word APMs and they don't understand what's an APM, right? right? And then they Google it and says alternative payment methods. <laughs> but simply, just to give you an insight of what APMs are, for, is they, re they refer to a form of payment that isn't cash or a major international credit card brand. What it means is it's a domestic card, cash-based vouchers, digital wallets such as that, such as Apple Pay and Google Pay, including Ideal in the Netherlands. This is a big one in the Netherlands. Poly in Australia and in New Zealand. And then WeChat in China are considered alternative payment methods. However, the alternative payment methods are often more mainstream than niche. Than niche. In many countries, they are the de facto way to pay, particularly online. Take German shoppers, for example. 50% to 7% of them prefer to use PayPal while shopping online. Mm. But meanwhile, in the Netherlands, consumers make 60% of their online purchases with their local bank transfer method called Ideal. Okay. And in China, 47% use WeChat, WeChat, which is around 600 million people in China use WeChat. Wow. And mainly are young Chinese. And the main Chinese, young Chinese are the ones that are looking to higher education. Now, I... I and as I said, I, I talk a lot and I talk with wind speeds of about 200 miles an hour, but some people under don't understand, they hear this word then, electric wallets and mobile wallets. What are all these? Yeah. Well, electric wallets are a digital way to store funds. Customers load their e-wallets with funds via bank transfer, card or cash, 
and use them to make online, offline, as well as person-to-person -person and cross-border payments in some cases. Examples of eCash would be like PayPal and Alipay. Then you have the new one on the street is mobile wallets. Because right. Mo you see now, if you're on any campus or on a, when, like walking down any street, everybody has what we call a mobile in their hands. And that's how the world is changing, right. that we have to look at China, and then you have Rope in India, and then you have all over the world different types of payments, Boleto in Brazil. And these are all the new forms of payments, which people are kind of like saying, well, look, if we, when they arrived, they came by, by cash or by credit card, but this is the new online, and it's cheaper for the students, the FX rates are lower, and these are then the options. It's like when people now, when you go into a supermarket and there's only one brand of something, you might buy once, but you won't go back again. People now need as much choice as they can get. And now they have the choice with these APMs and they're using their own trusted local preferred payment user right. rather than saying, I'm using a foreign uh, solution. Right. I mean, what I hear you saying is we're all we shifted to how we make payments and what we're used to. And so when the students are getting to campus, what they're really saying is, you know, let me pay on campus like I'm used to paying for everything else. Yeah, exactly. And and they have everything now on the mobile. They have everything linked back to their own bank account. So literally they can do in the United States what they do in China, literally on their phone. So and it'd be likewise if you were traveling as a tourist to China, you won't be using WeChat. You can sign up for it, but you have to have a Chinese account. Uh, but you would be using your own PayPal or your Visa or MasterCard. And they, you're, you kind of trust that brand. They trust the other brands over there, which is linked to their bank account for debit payments and so on. So when it comes to those local payments, though, you know, talk a little bit about how you really assist with being able to pay in that local way. Yeah, like naturally what, what students and parents who do pay for a lot of the, the, the um, students, naturally, like I have uh, one student, uh, my daughter is doing a, doing a degree and I have two young uh, daughters, 11 years of age, which start, will start costing me in the future. They naturally, when I'm looking to pay all of this, they don't actually pay it themselves. Right. So I'm looking at ways of that I, systems that I, I find safe, secure, fast and reliant. And naturally that the universities and institutes are the same way that they can find safe and reliant. And basically, normally through any payment, through uh, 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 the normal way of paying would, I, if I was in China or India, I would go in and buy US dollars in a, in a bank. That bank would charge me a commission. It would charge me a foreign exchange. Uh, it would charge me then also money to move that money internationally to the United States. This would have to go through a number of different banks to get to the United States. And when it gets there in the receiving bank, they decide also to take 20 or $30 for an international fee. Mm. The only trouble is when it's traveling through these three or four different intermediary banks, what we call an IAT, there's 14 digits of information traveled from each bank. When the next second bank gets it, they add seven more digits. So that means the first seven, the last seven digits of information is gone. By the time it gets to the third bank, all that information is gone. So when it hits the bank of the university, the original invoice number or letter of offer or the student ID is no longer there. And universities find it very hard to uh, reconcile these amounts. And then stu students naturally are ringing up, did you receive my funds? Did you receive my funds? Right. Because it's a large sum of money. 
and, and or the parent is ringing up that you received this $30,000, $50,000, which is a lifetime investment for some Indians, students and so on, that they have to get loans and everything else, that they're very, very cautious that the university got it. So what happens is with us, they are paying into a local domestic account in China, Singapore, in India. Once we see the funds there, we don't move the funds internationally. We leave it there in a second graders client account. What we do immediately is release those funds from a domestic, or one of our domestic accounts in the United States, the way of our regulators. And that immediately then, literally the next day, would be in the university's bank account as well. Because it's a domestic transfer, they would receive the full student name and the full student ID or letter of offer or invoice number. So it speeds up the transaction. Now, again, because it's domestic in and domestic out, the student has no fees to pay. The parent has no fees to pay. And the university has no worries about well, what this $50 I'll have to that the bank charge for receiving an international bank fee. I have to change the student when they arrive for this $50. Right. They no longer have to do that either. So it's making it safer, secure. And as well as that, I hate using this word pandemic again. <laughs> because of the pandemic, unfortunately, everybody is looking. There's a number of companies like Wirecard there last year closed down. They, they misplaced 1.2 billion worth of their funds. I don't know how you misplaced wow. 1.2 billion. I, can't, I wouldn't even misplace $5. But anyway, <laughs> um, basically speaking, because they weren't were regula fully regulated, what happens is, is that when, this, when their, their customers were putting in funds, they weren't putting ca holding capital against it. What that means, if a student puts in 10000 equivalent $10 into our account in China or 100000 or a $1 million of all, all the number of students in that day, we have to hold a million dollars worth of capital against that. Okay. The other funds, the student funds are kept in segregated escrow accounts. Nobody can touch that. But our, the million that we hold, if Transway went bust tomorrow, the, uh, our creditors can only literally go near the capital. They can't go against the escrow amount. That would be forwarded onto the institute or back to the students. So it's 100% safe. And even more to safeguard all these funds, we ensure every transaction of every student or parent up to $15 million worth of uh, liability just to ensure if anything else goes wrong. We want to make sure that when a parent or a student is paying with us, they're 110% secure and safe. That's the way we do it from why that's as a money service bureau. And when you ask me at the start what transmit, a lot of our competitors would be uh, PSPs, payment service providers. They, what they do is they rely on banks that they partner with in a locality. They wouldn't be regulated in India. They wouldn't be regulated in all these uh, students, where these students come from. So they wouldn't have licenses in there. They would basically lean on the regulation of that bank. And basically speaking, when the funds go in, if that happens to that company, the creditors of that company have full access to those funds. Now, I don't mean to frighten anyone, but it's just that it does happen now with this pandemic that there is uncertainty in the world and you've got to make sure that there's security there because it is a large sum of money being transported. But bear in mind, if, if, if a university had on a daily basis was taking in a million or two, or especially in peak season, $10 million in a day, and that goes wrong with that company, the university is responsible for that $10 million right. by using a PSP. 
but by using a money service bureau, which is regulated the same as a bank like us, we insure it 100%, Heather. And that's, that's the main difference and safety and, and like what we offer to the, the students and the parents out there. Because, yeah, they're all concerned at the moment and we're just giving them that extra uh, insurance to, to ensure that everything goes right for them. Yeah, that's so important. It's really key from that security standpoint. And and I know also the way you support uh, students and families is really how they want to be supportive in their native language. And, and it sounds like you even you know go door to door. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and a great question. And yeah, because naturally, if you were going in to buy a car online and you were paying $50,000, you'd like to get talked to somebody in your own language to talk to somebody to reassure you that this is correct and give you uh, reinsurances of what kind of regulation, how long it's going to take, right. uh, and so on. And, and like, and, and if you just have a kind of a system where you go in and it's a foreign language and the guide is in a foreign language, like English, English, I know we all speak English here, but like in China, a majority of them do, the parents especially are paying. Most of them would speak in their own local Chinese dialect. In India, there's about 132 Indian dialects. And this, as I said, is a big investment for their child to go to the States. They want to talk to someone. So we looked at this very much intensively over the last number of years. Right now, when a student registers, we text them. We do all this, the normal stuff. We email them. And, but, but after 24 hours, one of our agents on the, on the ground in India, we say, for example, would contact them and say, Hi, Heather, I know you've made a registration to pay to XYZ University in the United States. Is there any way we can help you? So naturally, we start the conversation in their own in their own language and so on. And then they say in some of these countries like China and India, there's about three countries in the world where we need to require by the local regulator in that country requires us to, to collect some um, documents, legal documents like okay. uh, their passport, their letter of offer to show where they're going. And then there's a, there's a form in India, a P20, where they have to prove that they're not paying over, exporting over a quarter of a million dollars a year. Right. They have to sign this, right? So the easiest thing what most companies do is to say to the student, here, upload it to the system and we'll check it. But you see, yet again, parents who are not used to technology and so on are a little bit wary or afraid. So we offer, we have like in, in India, we have a partner with a, a, another a partnership, a banking partner in India to help us with this. They have 128 offices all over India where they actually pre-print all the forms. A student then, our parent naturally would normally be the parent, can enter into the office and just basically sign the form and read through it and be reassured by one of our agents there that everything is correct and above board. And then naturally we're in some places in India are very isolated and unfortunately they're going through a bad time over there at the moment with the COVID right. pandemic is horrendous at the moment. But someone in normal times they are very isolated in some places. They don't have cars. So what we do is we send out one of our agents actually to the house, to the home, to the building, to the business, and we bring out a pre-filled document. They sign it. It's a sealed document then brought back and uploaded to the system for the regulator. So we actually go face-to-face with a student or with the, uh, the parent to, in their home or place of business to ensure them that everything is above board and everything is, is right. And also naturally to get the business in for the for the university because if you put blockers in front of students or parents Mm -hmm. then they would decide look my i know the bank manager i'll go into him he might be able to do it for me because i know him 
from going to school with them or whatever. Right. That's the way people think. That's just a normal psycho of people. But when they have a, a, someone calling to the door and they expect them and everything else, and they go through the documentation, it's a lot just easier for them. And that's the way, like, that's the way we do it in China, where we have our people on the ground that can speak in their own local dialect again, because there's a number of Chinese languages right. between the different regions in there and so on. And it's just giving them that safety. And so much that when they then make the payment and it hits our local account, not the university bank account, they immediately get the receipt from us by email to say, thank you very much, Heather, for paying the amount of money to XYZ University. Uh, we have received it. So they'll get a receipt literally the same day they make the payment. Rather than waiting four or five days where PSPs, our competitors, sure. transport the money through the intermediary banks and eventually hits the, uh, the university and may it sometimes be short. And then the university comes back, we can't give you a full receipt until you pay the remainder and that slows down. So the idea here, simple, talk in front of the customer, like what we do in any domestic world. It's nice to talk to somebody, pay locally, yeah. talk locally and get the money there fast and get the receipt literally immediately as well. Talk about customer service. <laughs> That's great. Just on that, on that, we offer then, then, because naturally the universities and the students may say, well, if I, I want to talk to someone straight away or I have queries, we offer a live chat. That's simply what most um, students love doing because it's free. They just go in, they can, it's like a text. They just can talk to someone 24 seven on our live chat system. They can do live Skype. They can do naturally email, which some of our competitors only offer. They do, um, we have a local numbers in India, China, and every other country around the world, we have a local free telephone number. And now, yet again, we have the WeChat. And WeChat has diversified into social. It's like the Facebook in China. They use uh, WeChat for con uh, conversations as well and updates and so on. Right. Well, it sounds like your students are saying, we need you to speak our language, literally. <laughs> when I say it, it'd be like if you were going to a country like Italy, and you ring them up, I don't know how good your Italian is today, Heather, <laughs> but still, if they were talking to you and telling you all about the subjects in Italian, naturally, I hope you speak good Italian, it's hard to understand, and you like someone just to speak in your own native language of English, you know what I mean? Right, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I know one of the biggest challenges during COVID was not necessarily getting payments, but actually getting the refunds back to students, especially for students who made international payments. Can you talk to us about how TransferMate is different in this area? Yeah, Heather, this is a kind of a, this is, about two years ago, was kind of nobody talked about refunds. Well, like the last thing you want to do is refund anyone, not only <laughs> university. I talk about any business, right? Because we, everybody is in the business of trying to get funds in. We don't want to get funds back. Right. But yeah, it's a new thing that kind of arose last year with a lot of the institutes across the states that we spoke with. And they said, look, we have a challenge. A lot of the institutes in America still use the normal check, the payback refund. So if you were here, if you were in um, China and you get a U.S. dollar check, you can't cash it there. You have to send it, go to your bank. They send it back to the United States. Some bank over there cashes it and it charges you about three or 4% uh, FX on it. Right. Then it takes four weeks to get back to you. And naturally you're not happy about it. Is that they're taking over a month to get the refund? Is that they're costing you quite a considerable amount of money and so on. And then there's countries where they can't do refunds at all. So 
because what happens is most institutes in America, as I said, if they're, if they're working with a PSP, the PSP is only licensed in one or two states. That means they can take funds into the United States, but they're not regulated to take funds back out. Okay. Now, because we're regulated in 50 states and territories, we basically are regulated in each state for as a receivable to take funds in. It's very easy to get money into the United States. It's very hard to get money out, right. like any country. Sure. Everybody loves money coming in. <laughs> yeah, bring it in, bring it in, but don't let it out, right? So the regulator, Vincent, basically ensures from a money laundering and everything else that you must have a license to be a payables operator. Now, a refund technically is money going out of the United States. So that's a payment out of the United States. And to do that, you have to be regulated. So what our, our competitors do, they, they go to the bank and the bank says, yes, we can do that, but we're going to charge you this. And we're also going to charge the student. So, and then they say, we need documentation. We need passports. We need the proof of the original account. And we need uh, the letter of offer. And we need probably your DNA of the student and, they, <laughs> and everything else. And a hair follicle or whatever else, right? So we kind of made it simple. We're... Very universities or institutes use Transomate, working through TouchNet. Basically, the funds come in, they, the student goes in, goes in on the TouchNet platform, it comes into the Transomate is the bridging where we collect the funds locally and pay it out locally. Now, because we've, we've scanned and we screened the student, we know where the funds come from. So then all an institute has to do is go back into the system and click on Thomas Butler, click on the name, up comes my ID, up comes my um, details and my name and everything else. And I put in then in US dollar what I want to refund that student. So the student originally paid $40,000. So I can put in up to $40,000 in a refund. I cannot pay any more. Right. The main reason because of money laundering. So I can put in up to 40000 Once I put in the 40000 the system will ask you what's the reason, reason for payments for the refund, uh, visa refusal or being sick or whatever. And then uh, also naturally, the authorizer would have to come in on it just to sign off on it. Once they click that then, then the funds then are basically, a US dollar can be drawn either by direct debit or transported by normal domestic payment, ACH, into our local account in West Fargo or within Midwestern or whatever. Once we see that funds there, we release the funds then. We do the screening and PEP screening on the student just to be ensure where they, they are, who they still are right. because even though they may have been a good person a week ago, it doesn't mean they're still a good person today. So we still have to screen them just prior to the payment, just to ensure they are uh, not on the um, FBI most wanted right. or Interpol or so on. So we screen it and everything and make sure it goes back to the originating account. So then literally they, they get fund, the funds back in their account without 48 hours in their own currency and literally, and it's a free service to the Institute. And then, well, because we're a new kid on the block, working with TouchNet. Basically speaking, a lot of universities said, right, I have other providers, but they can't do the refunds for me, Tom. Can you do these refunds for the payments that they've made into us, that right. these PSBs and the international banks that made to us? And yes, we can do these as well. Because we're a payables uh, license in every state, we can allow the Institute literally to upload a file of 1,000 refunds uh, into our system and send it back to the originating account. And yet again, no cost to the university. Basically, it goes, what they have to do is just upload all the details on an Excel file or a CSV file, and it goes back straight back to the originating account. We look after all the AML, the KYC, and everything else. 
It's a process that we're very, very proud of because we uh, kind of stand out amongst the crowd because of this, especially working with a number of institutes last year. They have seen the benefit of this, being able to put in one amount of money literally into a bank account, and we disperse a thousand refunds the next day through our system that we have worldwide. And that's, that's the way it works, Heather. That is great. And I know, you know, since really, like you were just saying, it's not necessarily a refund, but an outgoing payment. Our schools can really use Transformate for other outgoing payments too, beyond refunds, right? Oh, thanks for bringing that up, Heather. Yes. So, like, we work with a number of institutes in the United States for who have campuses abroad. We do their payroll. That's one thing we do. So they can actually do. We they can pay in their own U.S. dollar, and we'll distribute their payroll into China, India, South America, whatever they have campuses and so on. In uh, UAE, we're fully regulated in uh, Dubai and all of those areas. So we can take uh, send the funds for salary directly at any given time of the month. So if you if the person like like us all, I like getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, our payment date I think is on the 25th next Tuesday. We'll get paid, and I know that I I kind of check my account just to make sure I did. But we're all kind of psychologically and, and regularly look to get paid on that date. Right. So we ensure that. Then there's other payments, like vendor payments. Like the university um, may have to pay for a conference in Singapore. We can do all that for you. Same again, no no cost, no fees, no international fees whatsoever. You just basically go in on the system, transfer the US dollar value, and then we will pay that in the uh, release it from our Singapore account. Depending, if you're invited in US dollar, we can pay in US dollar. If you're invited in Singapore dollar, we can disperse it in Singapore dollars. We can do both. But the idea is, if you get a costing in for um, scientific vessels, costing uh, 100000 for all the university, we can pay that for you immediately. You can upload, yet again, a 1,000 invoices to the system. And depending what system you're using, uh, we've partnered with major companies out there, like Jagger, like um, uh, SAP Concur Invoice, everything, a lot more, Sage, uh, QuickBooks. All of these are integrated as well for the outbound payments. Touchnet, we're integrated for the inbound, but we're integrated for other companies for outbound. So we can offer a quick, seamless payment solution as well for the outbound at no cost to the Institute, making major savings. And don't get me wrong, the pandemic has taken a lot of resources for everybody, not only students and parents, but also Institutes have really felt we've all tightened our belt, I think, after last year. And this is a way of saving money and reducing costs and everything else. So it's it's another good thing that working with an MSB like Transmade and working with a software company like Touchnet, what this can offer to them. Yeah, and I think the key, like you said before, is it's really that feeling of security and all the compliance around it. And the key is really that compliance. And I know you talked to me a little bit about all the regulations that are really around uh, international payments, but specifically around the refunding. Can you talk a little bit more about the regulators that come out each week and what you have to do for that? Yeah, yeah. People think that, look, uh, that's just another one of these companies uh, here now on this podcast. They basically just set up stall and they take their money and they, they say what they say. No, we had to wait four years in the United States to get all our licenses. I think uh, New York was the last piece of our jigsaw to make sure we got we were fully covered across all the states of America. Our competitors are not fully regulated. Some are already regulated in one state, one of the, uh, some are already regulated in 10 or 12 states, right? We went out and we went and got fully regulated. And what that means is 
we had to put bonds in every state, a million dollars to secure any funds coming in and any funds coming out. So the regulator holds these bonds. So if that goes wrong with us, that's 50 million for the bonds that's safe there. Secondly, the regulator then doesn't give us the service and say, right, there's your license, let's forget about it. Regularly, we are literally, as you said, week in, week out, we are audited by different state regulators. Some regulators do it every six months or every year. Some regulators do it every quarter. We have some states that literally just turn up at our offices and say, right, today we need to audit your business. Right. We want to see this, this payment in and this payment out. And we have to show clear uh, paper trail of all the payments and all the due diligence and all the screening that was done on the payment coming in and the payment going out. Because this way then, all the funds can be secure and we are regulated the exact same as a bank. So that means your funds are 100% safe. And this is a high cost to us. It's not just a sales organization. It's not just an FX organization. Our compliance team is as big as any of our operations team or anything. And we have to have literally compliance officers in every state to be available, to talk to the regulator, to audit, to show all our inside our books. And they're literally working day in and day out. It's a full-time job just to show odds. So this is a very costly business to run. But we do it because we want to show the 360 of our business, not just say, hey, we can take money in. As I said initially, right. it's easy to get money in the state, but we can take money out. And that's why we've partnered with other bigger companies for payables as well across the state to help them to take money out. Just And they use us because of that security of the bonds, and that we're regulators. It's not that you don't trust people. Like, if you were handing, if I was handing you a million a year, I, I, I like to think that someone was checking you just once every three months or six months correct. to ensure all your processes were correct. That's not that we don't trust you, Heather. I trust you 100%. <laughs> it's just that when you have a million dollars of my money, I just like to sure someone else is checking on you. Of course, of course. <laughs> and if you want to give me a million dollars a year, I'll take it, Tom. <laughs> Well, where would a million go with you, Heather? That's very small money. It's like, it's, like, it's like what I say to my wife. The limit on my credit, on her credit card is not a target, but she hits it every month. She Every month she hits it. That is awesome. Well, thanks so much, Tom, for all of your insight today. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate it all. Have a great day. Well, it sounds like when it comes to international payments, the key is to partner with the expert who knows to let the international students pay how they're used to paying, speak their language, and make refunds easy. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.